Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hello and welcome back to our study in Galatians. We have been looking at the context and really the intensity of this letter. Right There's racism going on in the church right now, and part of that is because there are Jews that really don't know how to deal with their Jewish heritage. Right, They have come into this new faith in Christianity that is founded in Christ, that is really Judaism is fulfilled in Christ. And so as Gentiles started to make their way into this body of believers, the Jews are like, well, what do we do? Do we accept them? Right, And if we do accept them, should we make them obey all of the laws that we were given of circumcision and the Ten Commandments and all of these different dietary things? Like, what do we do? And they can't, a lot of them came to the conclusion that they needed to make all of them obey them. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. That's a false gospel. That actually diminishes everything that Jesus did. And so he shows up and he comes out swinging because he wants them to see that this issue had already been decided in Acts 15, that the church had gathered together in a council to determine what the gospel was and what it would change. And so he is addressing the churches in Galatia and telling them that they need to abandon the false, the false gospel that they've run to and come back to the real good news that is found in Jesus. Now, if you remember, one of the things we talked about was as they were listening to this letter, right? They didn't read. So most of them were listening to, to Paul being read to them and they were listening to the the. the harshness, the, the, the really the detailed, penetrating voice of Paul through somebody else. And so we can only wonder, like, what were, what were their thoughts about this? What were the questions that they had coming up? And I think what Paul is anticipating, the questions that they might be asking are, why should we believe you? Like, who are you to tell us this? And are you right? And so that is really what the next section that we're going to look at starts to unpack a bit. It's going to start to answer some of those questions. So look at verse 10 as we unpack what Paul says. It says this, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So why should you believe him? Well, the first reason Paul gives is simply that this isn't for his sake. This isn't for him. That he gains nothing from from telling them these things. That in fact, he's not trying to be a people pleaser or a yes man. He's not trying to earn their respect or a status or wealth. In fact, he understands that being this direct with them might actually jeopardize those things in his relationship with them. But his point is that they would begin to hear him speak sternly and understand how serious it is. Why should they believe him? Because he gains nothing from it and in fact risks losing everything. And this is actually a really helpful way that we can know anything is true. Man, if, if somebody comes, if the messenger comes and they tell us something, and it also brings personal gain to them, it's probably something that we should just kind of be able to analyze and critically think through. Now, I'm not saying that all good news that benefits the messenger is bad. Like, you know, we've all been there when our friends are like, hey, they got a two-for-one sale. If we go right now, we can split what, what we would have had to pay full price for and, uh, and just split it between us. I mean, that's good news, and it benefits everybody. But, man, we know that somebody's being honest with us when actually it becomes a risk for that person to tell us the information, to share, share it with us. 
I mean, like a family member, like coming to a family member and saying, hey, I've been noticing your behavior, man. It just seems like it's really it's hurting a lot of people and it's hurting yourself. Man, to say something like that to a family member or a friend, you understand you're risking the relationship. You know that they might reject you, that they might like hurt your reputation, that they might actually destroy the relationship that you have with them and maybe even other friends. But if you see something that you know you need to be honest about for their benefit, even at the cost of yourself, that's when you know someone's really being honest with you. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm trying to come before you and I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being direct, but I'm being honest. And it's because I know that you guys are in danger, that your beliefs are actually compromising who you are fundamentally. And so Paul comes before them and he gives them this first reason. It's not for me. And Paul gives them a second reason as well, that he feels compelled as a servant of God to tell them this. Like it's one thing that not only is he not trying to please them, but he is trying to please God. That he understands that this might feel like it's, it's really grating against them, but the truth is he has to do it as a servant of King Jesus. And King Jesus saved him. And he now is under his lordship and he joyfully and obediently will do what he asks and he feels as though this actually best pleases God to begin to confront people and enter into conflict in hopes that it brings about healing. So Paul says this isn't for him, this isn't about him, and the third reason he gives is that it's not from him. You see, this gospel, this good news that he's been proclaiming and preaching that was announced to him, it wasn't from human, it was humans, it was from heaven. And he's saying that this isn't a lesson that he was taught, as if our intellect could could deduce all of these conclusions. No, this was the good news that was proclaimed over his life by Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this isn't for me, this isn't about me, and it's not from me, so please just listen. And he continues on as he answers that question, who is Paul to tell him this? He's going to continue on by actually diving more into a biographical aspect of who he is and telling them more of his story. Listen to what he says in verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. So who is Paul to tell them this? He's saying, don't you remember who I was before my conversion? Like before Jesus got a hold of me, I was advancing in Judaism faster than anyone else. My knowledge was growing faster than anybody else. And not only that, but my obedience to the law and the traditions, it was flawless. And my passion, my zeal drove me to become better and better. But not only that, to persecute and murder Christians. Anybody who opposed the the God of our Old Testament and tried to replace him with this Jesus character. And then God intervened in my life, Paul says. Paul says that his life was set apart from the womb, that God chose him. He called him in grace, grace, a gift, a pure gift. And it wasn't because of anything that he had done. 
It wasn't because his knowledge was so great or because his obedience was so perfect or because his passion was so heavy. It was because Jesus gave him this and despite anything that he was or had done. Pure gift. And it radically changed every part of who he was. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This is really important. Paul knew Christianity. These weren't just rumors that he was trying to track down and persecute. He was familiar with the belief system. He was familiar with what it is that they were trying to exchange out with Jesus. And he wanted them dead. It wasn't the testimony of believers or apologetics or hearing scripture that made his faith in Christ real. It was Jesus himself. It will always be Jesus. It's only Jesus who turns stone hearts beating again. It's only Jesus who resurrects dead souls. And it's only Jesus whose light can pierce darkness. It's only Jesus and it only ever will be him. And Paul, man, he says he starts to just go preach to the Gentiles in Arabia and Damascus and to tell them all that Christ has done. And Paul's whole, whole point in saying all of these things is simply to say, was my conversion meaningless? Like you guys are trying to go back to the law. You're trying to be obedient to it again and you're trying to make Gentiles do it too. Was my conversion completely meaningless? I was already obedient to it. I was zealous and passionate for it. I was knowledgeable about every aspect of it. But Jesus changed me. The gospel is good news. And we're not measured by that anymore. We're measured by what Christ has done. Paul left Judaism. He found Jesus because Jesus fulfilled every part of it. And that's why Paul continues on in verse 18. He says, Then after three years... I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. You see, three years after Paul's ministry, he goes to Jerusalem and he spends time with Cephas. Now, we know that Cephas is the Aramaic word for rock, and we're told actually in John 1.42 that it's Peter. You see, Peter is Greek for rock, and so this is the Apostle Peter. He goes and he spends 15 days with the Apostle Peter, and then he spends uh, some, some time with James, the brother of Jesus, as well. But no other apostle, he says. Now, I think that Paul here is referencing what Luke writes about in, in Acts 9. So you can read about that there. But again, we see apostle isn't being used here as one of the 12. What's Paul's point in all of this is that he isn't getting this information from other leaders. He's not getting it from, from Peter or James or any of the other like big apostles. He's simply getting this from God himself. And he understands that its meaning and its testimony is true because of who he received it from and as he sees its power being worked out as he proclaims it. He speaks about it and continues his ministry in Syria and Cilicia, generally unknown at the time, except for his amazing conversion story. And it means everything. Paul continues on with his autobiography in, in chapter 2. We'll pick up there in verse 1. It says this, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. 
I went in response to a revelation and, meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Now, I believe Paul here is referencing his return to Jerusalem after his missionary journey. After Acts 13 and 14, after 14 years of planting churches in Pisidian Antioch and Iconium, uh, Lystra, and Derbe, he heads back to Jerusalem in Acts 15. This is when that trouble arises. We read about this in our last lecture. And he starts to say how the believers, how some of the Jews uh, that, that believed were actually starting to impose things upon the Gentiles or cut them out. We've talked about that. And so here Paul is trying to help them understand his role in this, that he's trying to actually preserve the gospel for them. And this is why Paul is trying to, to show them all that took place in the meantime. He's fighting for the Galatians. He's fighting for the Gentiles. And Paul says, I went to bat for you because if I didn't, the gospel would have been watered down and compromised so that it wouldn't even include you anymore. He's saying, look at Titus. Titus was a, a perfect exa- example of a Gentile who walked into Jerusalem, and he never felt compelled to be circumcised, to be obedient to the law. And yet, he was a living example of what the true gospel does. He was a living, breathing witness in his life of what Jesus can accomplish in somebody who's not even a Jew. And it was a beautiful work of art as he walked through and showed himself before the believers. And Paul says, I showed them Titus. I even told them the gospel that I was preaching. And they were all on board with what God was doing through it. So Paul guarded the integrity of the gospel because to do so was guarding the good news for every single person, especially the Gentiles. He continues on in verse 6. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. See, Paul says that even for those who are held in high esteem, they are all the same before God, that God does not show favoritism. And that the power of, the, of their message came not because they agreed, but because it came from God. They were seeing the way it moved. They were seeing the way it broke open strongholds and set people free. They were seeing the power of salvation, both in Jew and Gentile. And Peter and Paul agreed it was moving. It was working. Now, I think what's important to note here as well is how central the care of the poor is to the church. This is what both Peter and Paul understood was a necessary component of how we are a blessing to those around us, that it's a natural expression of the gospel. Man, the gospel isn't just how we will be saved one day, 
but it's how our love and sacrifice ooze out of our life into those who don't have God at all, and especially for those who don't have anything at all. That we would be inconvenienced, that we would be made uncomfortable, that we would be able to come surrendering our life open hands to those that they may experience the true love and goodness of God, knowing that nothing in this world we take with us. The truth is that the gospel addresses both our spiritual and physical needs. The gospel is about, about changing us, moving us, and allowing us to be in Christ and for that to be enough in every category. See, Paul here is showing that they should believe him, believe his gospel, because it's not from him, it's not about him, and it's not for him. It's about Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's from Jesus. And he is a living testimony of why that is true. Next week, we're going to see more of the details of how Paul explains why he's right. So we'll see you next time. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.